Welcome to Global Truth Center. Obviously, this song is called Aquarius. Uh, and Let the Sunshine, they're put together. Interestingly enough, this is from the musical Hair, which opened on Broadway in 1969 uh, and ran all the way through 1974, I think it was. Um, but it's interesting, Let the Sunshine wasn't in the workshop. It wasn't in the first production off-Broadway. It wasn't in the next production. It was when it went to Broadway, they felt they needed a bigger ending. So they created... Let the sunshine, and they usually put these two together because Aquarius opens the show and Let the Sunshine closes it. And anyway, that's a little bit of history. So the age of Aquarius. So some say that the age of Aquarius was in the 1800s, that it started in the 1800s. Um, but most people say that that's not it, people that actually work in astrology. So they say it was the 1800s, and some say it's not going to begin until the 24th century, this age of Aquarius. However, the bulk of people that are into astronomy say that the age of Aquarius actually begins at the top of 2021, right where we are. I didn't know that until I was looking all of this up. So that the age of Aquarius is actually right now, according to the bulk of astrologers that work on the, in this field. Not my field, by the way. Um, so, but astrology for me is really all about energy. You know, when people talk about what's your sign and what age are we in and blah, blah, blah. I, I, it's not that, and I have no, no, meant me no disrespect to you that are all into that stuff. But for me, it's like, if it's all energy, then obviously when certain planets move certain places, energy is moved. And there's a result of that energy being moved. So it's very possible, I feel this way, that when it's cloudy day and something's covering up the, what, the sun and it's cloudy, I kind of feel it. So that's how I look at astrology. So when I look at this idea of the age of Aquarius, when this planet and that planet and that planet, and when the the United, the United States, when the world turns on its axis so many times, that's what starts the age of Aquarius, which according to many, many people, began at the solstice this year, right there on December 23rd. But that was the beginning of this age of Aquarius. So the cool thing is, back in 1968, when they were doing hair, they were foretelling this age of Aquarius. And so I think that means we are all going to start wearing tie-dyes, we're all going to start just running the streets like, yeah, hi, and everybody's just going to be happy. Does that sound good? Sure. <laughs> Nate's like, what? So this is what, thank you for that applause. This is what um, Aquarius means, the age of Aquarius. It's about electricity, computers, freedom, humanitarianism, idealism, modernization, rebellion. So we see any of that happening? Rebellion, nonconformity, which is basically what this center is all about, nonconformity, and irresolution. And I love that, especially after this week of teaching this advanced class on Thursday about um, enlightenment. The idea of irresolution. 
the fact that we stop thinking we have to make things end or begin, the fact that we can actually be in the flow of life, living in this energetic flow of life and not get caught up in beginnings and endings or in result-oriented thinking. I'm doing this because I want this to happen. Do you know what happens when, that, when we get caught up in that result thinking? We end up missing the time between the decision and the result because we're not living it. We're not fluidly living it. Now, I'm not saying we should all walk around with no thoughts in our heads going, whatever, whatever happens. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, if we're going to say that this is the age of Aquarius, it is time for us to get into the flow of the creative energy that we are. It also says this, the age of Aquarius is a spiritual revolution when people will begin to understand their identity and relationship to one another. So how fabulous. The age of Aquarius is about what we're doing. Remember who you are where people remember who they are. And more importantly, they remember their relationship to one another that you start to look at people and see people differently. And if there's ever been a time for us to answer the call to see one another as brothers and sisters, to see the entire world as equal in scope, to have the humanitarianism, to know that whatever happens in Uganda happens in me. Whatever happens in, in, in England happens in me. Whatever happens in Russia happens in me. And whatever happens in any state in this United States happens in me. That's what the, age, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And we are not only in the dawn of it, hopefully, well, hopefully, not a word I use often. I'd like to think that this is the beginning of this unleashing of this beautiful humanitarianism. So I have been drawn to this energy my whole life. I have been drawn to this kind of thinking, this kind of knowing, this kind of energy. And... Um, when we decided to sing this, I think it was Adam that said, was it you that brought up Aquarius? And my first reaction was like, Aquarius? We can sing a song from hair. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh no, Aquarius, yes. I'm drawn to that kind of energy, that kind of, of, of radical, which is what it was called back then, renegade thinking. I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people, I, I don't even need to tell you all this, that likes to argue through the, 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 the tried and true to find what isn't known yet. And that's what Hare did on Broadway. And I have a little history with Hare on Broadway. Of course I do. In 1972, and I told Mindy I was going to share this because I would never tell children to do this. In my senior year of high school, I ditched school one day because I had seen in the Philadelphia Inquirer that Hare was having auditions downtown at the Schubert in downtown Philadelphia. So I got up and said goodbye to my mom and dad, or my mom, I probably, and just said, I'm going to school, and which would mean go up and get the trolley. <laughs> Remember the trolleys? That took me all the way out to my high school, Father Judge, all boys Catholic. Instead, I crossed the street, took the trolley this way to downtown. And all the, on the way, I'm changing shirts, and you know, I had to find a, a men's room to go in and put on jeans, and went and waited in line for like four hours with lines around the corner of people just wanting to sing to get into this show, Hair. Now, truthfully, I had heard the album of Hair, but I, I had never seen a Broadway show at that point. I had done shows at my high school. So I get there, and I get in line, and I'm waiting, and I went with a friend who met me down there, 
um, who wasn't in high school. She wasn't ditching. And we're waiting in line, and I go in to sing, and I went in, and I sang. I got up on stage, and I sang, Where is Love? What a great choice for, yeah. And so I'm like, Where is Love? And I still looked like a little bit of a Catholic schoolboy because you had to have your hair short back then. Um, and I finished singing the song, and the guy comes up on stage and he goes, um, we're going to put you in this room over here. We're going to teach you a song. And they taught me, um, we starve, look at one another, short of breath. And so they taught me this song. And they asked me to come, when I was ready, let them know, and I could come back out. So already I got through the first tier. They did like me. So I came out, and I'm singing, <laughs> I'm singing this song. I don't know what the lyrics are. We starve, look at one another short of breath, whatever. And I'm out there, and I'm singing it. And then the guy comes back up, and he goes, we need you to, like, really move when you're singing. Like, kind of like what I'm always telling you to. We need you to, like, move when you're singing this. Don't just stand there and sing it. Just feel it and sing it. So I was like, okay. So he does it again. I'm like, we starve, look. And I'm, like, dancing all over the stage. I remember once I, like, slid down to the bottom of the stage, finished the whole thing, and they were like, Great, could you fill all this out? I fill out the form and everything. By the time I got home from school that day, which I was never at, my mother says to me, um, you have a phone call today from a, whatever the name of the stage manager was, that they want you back tomorrow at the Schubert Theater? And I'm like, uh, she goes, you're not going to the Schubert Theater. She says, you haven't even graduated high school yet. You're not going out on any show, and they're all naked in that show. You are not doing this show. So I never went to that callback to say the least. Um, seven years later, five years later, 1977, I get called in to audition for Hair again, this time on Broadway. And they remembered me. The guy, Jerome Ragney, who wrote it, remembered me. And so they invited me to come see the show that night, and this was to play um, Burger, to star in the show. So I go, and I sit with Jerome Ragney, we're watching the show and all, and they get to the part where, and I'd never seen Hair, they get to the part where they're all naked, and I'm like, Oh, that's what my mother was talking about. Now, I'm still only five, five years into New York City, and I've done a lot. So I call my agent, and I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? He goes, you can't do this. You can't, your first Broadway show can't be you on stage naked. He said, and it's a replacement. No one's going to really remember you did it. So I turned it down again. So I have, this is actually the first time I've actually gotten to sing the song from hair, like on stage. Isn't that funny? At 66. And driving here, Kevin said, don't do the naked part. I was like, yeah, not a problem. So something in me was always drawn to that kind of energy. And the irony is, right after that, I was cast to, to play one of the leads in I'm Getting My Act Together and Taking It on the Road which was also this kind of new kind of musical at the public where hair began. And that's how I got my start in New York, by starring in that and getting the attention that took me into the rest of my career. But I always had this energy. I wanted to do new things. I would get bored very easily, and I'd have to do something new, find a new way. And sometimes what I realize now is that there was a part of me that wasn't ready I certainly wasn't ready in high school. I certainly wasn't ready even when I auditioned on Broadway. And even as I lived my career out, I still wasn't ready to do what I want this year to be about. An awakening inside of each of us that takes us in a bold direction. Things we have never done before. Things that we can only imagine, but maybe we're afraid of. Ideas, passions, directions. Where do you really want to go? And not what your mind has told you you want to do all these years. 
It is a trap, I believe, to stay in these tried and true ideas. Well, I've had this my whole life. Why would I change it now? Because maybe if you just knock it all away and get quiet and surrender, you'll hear something else. So I have a question for you today. Do you feel open to that? Do you feel open to questioning everything? That's the motto of the advanced consciousness class, right, Tiffany? Question everything. In fact, Chris, uh, Tiffany said that she feels that after 40 weeks of advanced consciousness, her mantra is going to be, I don't know, because that's a better way to go. I don't know, now what can I know? Because as soon as we know, we've locked ourselves into that. So when I say in a treatment or an affirmative prayer, here's what I know, what I'm really saying is, I am open to letting whatever truth wants to move through me in this moment move through me. It is about staying alive. Let the sunshine, let the sunshine in. Let it in, let it out. I mean, you can realize why all those people were on that stage just dancing and the music does it to you, but the idea, let myself be free, freedom. So the title of my talk today is Enlightenment for Breakfast. That's an E over there. Enlightenment for Breakfast. Now, why, why is that a title? <laughs> why did I choose that title? I remember when I wrote it down, I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy. But this is what I feel. So Thursday night, I teach this class, and it was a very provocative, very exciting class for me. I woke up Friday morning, and as I was figuring out what I wanted to have for breakfast, all I kept thinking of was everything that had been said the night before. And I actually said to myself, you know what, this morning for breakfast, I'm just going to have enlightenment. I'm just going to have enlightenment for breakfast. Why can't I feed myself with enlightenment instead of my protein drink? Or perhaps I can infuse enlightenment into my protein drink and then drink it. I mean, that's, that's how crazy Thursday night was for me. And when I woke up Friday, I was so exciting. These students are writing the most profound papers on these topics. It's amazing. And I get to read about 16 of them every single week. I get to read what these individual minds are thinking. So I thought I could have enlightenment for breakfast all week. Um, our topic last Thursday was enlightenment, which is really just a synonym for awakening, right? So enlightenment, I asked them all to go into these private rooms and come back with, to me with definitions of enlightenment. And I'm just going to give you a couple of them. They were very simple. The first one was, enlightenment is the quietness. It's that quiet essence in your mind where you are just in the quietness, where you're in the silence, in the, the knowing. The next one was, enlightenment is beyond knowing. So enlightenment is the capacity for you to get your mind out of the way, get your thinking out of the way, get your critical thinking out of the way and just be. So that's beyond what you think you know is the everything, which is, I guess, why he calls the book the everything answer book. And then I love this. Rick Tamlin, I believe, said this. Enlightenment feels like a whiteboard that I don't have to write anything on. Just this clean slate that anything is possible, but I don't have to put anything on it because it's all there. And then the last one, I love this. Well, no, two more. If I know I'm enlightened, I'm not. 
and I don't remember who said that, maybe one of you two, but I remember that. If I know I'm enlightened, I'm not. Because to know I'm enlightened is putting the lid on it again. It's like, it's not something you know, it's something you are. And what we ended up with, with, of course, is that you are all enlightened. You are enlightenment by nature. It's just how much of it are you going to get out of the way? Bringing me back to hair. You know, sometimes those experiences of being on stage for me, dancing my butt off and just being in these amazing productions, these amazing Broadway shows and dancing and literally transcending my human awareness into the performance where, you know, you're in the zone. To me, that's enlightenment. There's something there where you're beyond thinking, you're beyond doing, you are just being. Um, and then the last one, which I love, and I believe this was Kevin Roche, who said, there is no I to be enlightened. There is no I to be enlightened, which means when you identify yourself as solely you, the I of you, <laughs> enlightenment's gonna be really tough because what enlightenment is, is all. So it's this understanding of oneness. So enlightenment for breakfast, yeah, breakfast of champions. You know, wake up and start your day by remembering who you are and re recognizing that you are enlightenment, depending on how much you're willing to let out. A number of the guys that wrote the paper, a number of the students that wrote their papers, put this quote in their paper. I kept reading it over and over in the papers. And it was this, before enlightenment, carry water. After enlightenment, carry water. Perfect, makes perfect sense. Enlightenment is not something that happens to you and then all of a sudden you're different for the rest of your life. That's not it. Enlightenment are just moments of clarity when you actually see who you are, your relationship to the world, but then you have to go back to living. I don't know too many people that have the opportunity to then go to a mountain, sit in a lotus position and expect food to drop from the heavens. No, we'd go back to carrying water, which is what that quote means. Um, Eckhart Tolle said this, the, world, the word enlightenment conjures up the idea of some superhuman accomplishment, and the ego likes to keep it that way. But it is simply your natural state of felt oneness with being. So what would it be like if you actually knew you were enlightened? You are enlightened. You are the enlightenment. What would it be if you weren't seeking to know more but you are actually agreeing to be more. Very different. I've been a seeker my whole life. Now I'm really focused on giving myself the gift of being all that I thought I was seeking. Will that make me someone who is enlightened? People will say, look, there's Dr. James, he's enlightened. Well, they may, but then they don't understand enlightenment because Luke is enlightenment at its very best, at its youngest. <laughs> no, that would be Nate, at its youngest in this room. So that's what I want you to think about today, tomorrow, the rest of your life, that you are the very enlightenment you think you may seek. And Thich Nhat Hanh said this, enlightenment is when a wave realizes it is the ocean. It's like Rumi's The Ocean in a Drop. Enlightenment is when a wave realizes it is the ocean. So that says to me, James, when are you going to realize that you already are 
everything you think you would like to be. If I could give my son anything who is watching today, I would give him the realization that everything he thinks he wants to accomplish in life, he has already accomplished. It's already there. It's just a matter of doing it unobstructed by mental moorings that hold us to something that keeps us back. This idea that I am the very breath of life. I am the very creativity of God. I am the very passion of the existence of this entire human race. And if I just know this, if I am willing to just be this, what could possibly stand in my way? It's a good thing to ponder. Certainly it's a good thing to ponder as you're beginning a life. But it's also a good thing to ponder at my age, at any age. Because frankly, I said this the other day to someone that I was counseling, because they said, don't you miss acting? I can't believe you really gave all that up. I went, who told you I gave that up? I bought a theater to open a church and then ran a theater company the entire time and had production after production after production that I either wrote, directed, or starred in, or sometimes all three simultaneously. I've never given it up. And there's something in me now that would love to do hair. No one's gonna cast me, a little too old. I shouldn't say that. Maybe they'll do a geriatric hair. You never know. But there's something in me, I can't wait for the next opportunity when someone says to me, we'd love to have you in this show. I'll be like, yup, if I can do it at that time. But with no moorings holding me back because there is that in me that still wants to reach that place and I do it through entertainment. I do it through singing. I do it through acting and dancing where I reach that place where I, the I, is no longer there. It's just the beingness of it. So that's what I offer to you today. What's inside of you that's just begging you to open up and let it out, let it be free? We are in the midst of this pandemic and many people are at home with a lot of free time on their hands. Do what makes you happy. Find what that is and do it. And it doesn't have to, because what I hear from a lot of people, well, I can't because I want to go to a, a restaurant. I'm not talking about going to a restaurant. I'm talking about go to the beach and dance on the beach. Get some, get some, what did I say I was going to bring today? <laughs> I was kidding. Get some scarves and just go, you know, Dance yourself across the beach with headsets and listen to music. Do things that just make you feel invigorated, that jump you out of your normal self. That's what I want us to do. That's have breakfast and then go into your day. Enlightenment for breakfast and scarves for lunch. That's what I say. So on Monday, tomorrow, it is Martin Luther King Day. So um, on our theme of awakening, what he said was this. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Martin Luther King. The age of Aquarius is also called the age of love. This center, our entire already established premise is that there is love only. And forgive anything, forgive everything, especially in the context of this, because unforgiveness is too great a burden to bear. You are wearing yourself down. You want to talk what you're moored to? Every time you refuse to forgive and hold a grudge, you are stuck right where you do not forgive. 
That's why these two things are so powerful. Love only, forgive everything. Of course, remember who you are. So the age of Aquarius is all about love. Harmony and understanding. Sympathy and trust abounding. Sympathy if it's understood as compassion. No more falsehoods or derisions. Mystic revelations. We talked about this last week. Mystic revelations. Allowing something inside of you to tell you who you are. And then the mind's true liberation. Aquarius. So, my final thought to you is this. Your mind already is liberated. Nothing stopping your mind from creating the exact life you want to live. And also nothing stopping your mind from knowing what that is. For all of you that have said, and I've said it many times, I don't know what my purpose is. You know what? Yeah, you do. We all do. Our purpose is to be happy, to be in the joy of life. That's it. There's a section in the Science of Mind book that says, you know, you're not here to change the world. The world will change all on its own. You're here to live your life out loud, uncompromised. You are here to join a production of hair, (laughs) to just let your hair down, sing out your life, unencumbered, unmoored. That was one of the, I was reading one of the reviews of hair when it first opened. And what they were so excited about when this opened was that every tradition was broken. Storytelling was broken. Choreography was broken. It looked like no one was choreographed. They were just dancing and jumping all over the place. And yet it was choreographed. This whole idea, it's time to break down everything that is holding us back and just eliminate it and get back to this understanding that right where I am, everything is possible. And you know what it starts with? And I can give you this great concept to start with. Enlightenment for breakfast. Because everyone knows breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So I suggest tomorrow when you wake up, you start with asking the most important question you'll ever ask. What will make me happy today? And if it's to turn on the cast album of hair and start dancing around your bedroom, have at it. Because nobody can live your life as well as you can. Namaste. Hi, this is Dr. James Mellon, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message and ask you for your support. Your tax-deductible donation to Global Truth Center ensures that we can continue to provide you with this form of inspiration each week. To make a contribution now, please visit our website at globaltruthcenter.org. Again, thanks for listening. Namaste.